0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. The first week of this series, I told you that margin is the space between our load and our limit. And that margin just doesn't happen. You have to be intentional about gaining margin in your life. You've got to fight for it. And then I told you these words that are are strong words, but, but you are selfish in whatever area that you do not create margin. Wherever it is in your life, in those areas that you don't create margin, You're selfish in those areas, and you need to create some room in your life for God to move through you. The second week of this series, Pastor Andrew explained that we are stuck in this vicious cycle of want more, work more, get more. We want more, we work more, we get more. Want more, work more, get more. And he said that the cure for this addiction is margin. He told us that in order to gain margin in your life, you may have to say no to people that are demanding your time and and that it's better to disappoint people and please God. And then last week I told you that margins in life, they are the safeguards, they're our guardrails. And with proper margin, we have room for error, that that we can make some of the little mistakes, we can veer off course just a little, and, and these little mistakes, when we have margin, they don't cost us everything. But without margin, we can make the kind of mistakes that cost us our jobs, they cost us our marriages, cost us our families. And sometimes, even many times, they put distance in our relationship with God. Physical, spiritual, and mental margins are the protective boundaries that we place around the things that matter the most to us. And so we need to evaluate what really matters. And if we don't have some margin around those areas to protect them, then maybe we don't care about them quite as much as we think we do, and we need to reevaluate. And so today is the last day of our 2017 Sabbath series for the month of July. And the danger for some of us is that we will fall right back into the routine of busyness. It happens. That's why we have to have a Sabbath series every year to bring the, the, the reminder. Annually, we have the reminder okay, reevaluate life, line things back up. Because when you get into the day to day functions, when you get into your routine, it's easy to fall back into that routine of busyness. And my prayer is that, that you, my prayer is for me also, but, but that you will maintain healthy margins in your life that make it easier for you to serve God, make it easier for you to serve your spouse, make, make it easier for you to serve your family, and even make it easier for you to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ. Last week, I spoke to you about margin of error. Margin of error is the amount that is allowed for in case of miscalculation or a change of circumstances. So we need a a margin of error just for those moments uh, uh, that that maybe catch us off guard or, or, or we make those little mistakes. So we need margin of error for life's unexpected moments and minor mistakes. But today I want to speak to you on the subject of error of margin. Error of margin. Don't be confused. They're not the same thing. We need margin of error. We do not need error of margin at all. A few years ago, NASA put out a cattle call for volunteers that they were willing to pay people to lay in bed for 70 days straight. How many of you would take them up on that offer? To be paid just to lay in bed for 70 days straight. So for 70 days, they they could text on their phones, they could they could play games on their phones on their iPads they could check social media they could do all that kind of stuff from their bed they could play board games if they could do that from laying in the bed they could Skype with their friends and their family members But they simply just could not at any time get up out of the bed. If they got up out of the bed, then they were disqualified from the program. So for 70 days straight, they could not get up out of the bed. They had to use the bathroom in the bed. They had to eat in the bed. They could not stand at all for the entire duration. And, And their heads... Were were tilted uh, uh, down at about a six degree angle. And the tilt caused a shift of of body fluids to the upper region, which which simulated the effects of long term spaceflight. And so here's what's crazy to me NASA was willing to pay people $18,000 to stay in bed for 10 weeks. 18 grand, $18,000 just to lay in bed. And there were people that did it. They were paid to be lazy. You stay in that bed. Don't get up out of that bed. We will pay you $18,000 when you complete that. There are two weapons that the enemy will use to destroy God's purpose in your life. And these two weapons could not be more Opposite. And s- Satan, he either wants you to, one, be too stressed and overoccupied, or two, he wants you to be lazy and lackadaisical. Either one is fine with him. Whichever one you fall for, it- it's perfectly fine with Satan. He doesn't prefer one over the other. And they're polar opposites, and they are both used by your enemy to render you ineffective for God's kingdom both the sins of workaholism and laziness they are sins of self worship that in yourself you're saying i'm god i'm deity and it's sins of self worship when you fill your schedule with too much you choose your own desires over god's desires and when you sit back and do nothing it means you are choosing your own comfort over god's calling and both are sinful The behaviors are very different, but the root is always the same. When you desire your way more than you desire God's way, it becomes a sin of self-worship. And Satan will settle for, for you being too busy to be used by God or too lazy to be used by God. He's perfectly fine with either one. So let me talk to you about this a little bit, about the error of margin. Is it possible that someone can create too much space? That there's too much of a buffer around their life? Too much space? Too much margin? Is it possible for someone to create so much margin in their life that it does become sinful? Because Sabbath, Sabbath says these things to us. And I've been preaching Sabbath for, for 11 years here. And this is the only church I've ever preached Sabbath at. But it hit me so hard our first year that I knew, knew this was going to become foundational for us. But, but Sabbath says focus on, on resting and replenishing your soul, doesn't it? Sabbath says that. Say yes. Please say yes. I will retire if you don't say yes because I've been preaching this for 11 years. So Sabbath screams at us and says rest and replenish. That's what it's there for. Sabbath was made for man, not man, man for the Sabbath. So it's made for us. Sabbath says focus on relationships. During your downtime, focus on relationships. Sabbath says, focus on quality time with the people that matter the most. And so we do that. We preach it every year. But is there a point in time when you can overdo this? When you can create too much margin in your life? Can we become so inward-focused that we don't see the world and the needs around us? I've admitted to you that there was a season in my life when I was too focused on work and it nearly cost me my family. I'm very vulnerable when I preach, very transparent, and and, and I've shared that with you numerous times. But at the opposite end of the spectrum, I've also erred because I'll admit that the other side of this, I've sometimes been too focused on me, myself, and mine. Being very honest with you. That when you start protecting margin, when you start protecting that, that safe space around you and your family and around your time, that if you're not careful... You will have an error of margin in your life. And so, when I became focused on me, myself, and mine, my family, my time, my sanity, when I became so focused on that, I did not see the people that God had put in my path for me to connect with and minister to. And I believe that is just as sinful as not obeying the Sabbath commandment. Let's be honest. Some people are just a chore to be around, aren't they? Don't point at them. Some people are a chore to be around. Listen, when, when my kids were, were younger and, and they were brats, it's one thing for my kid to be a brat. I can be around them. I can beat them, you know. But when I'm around your kid that's a brat, I can't beat them. So it's, sometimes it's just a chore, but it, it's not just kids, is it? Sometimes it's hard to be around other adults, to be around other students. Sometimes it's just hard to be around people because it feels like work. You know, they call you, hey, you want to go to lunch? And it's the last thing you want to do that week. You don't want to go to lunch that week with them because all they do is complain the entire lunch. God, why? Why this week? Why do they call this week, Lord, I don't have it. I don't have the mental capacity this week to handle their life. I don't. All they do is talk about them. Lord, I can't deal with it this week. Or maybe their life is just so good that it it makes me really, you know, my life fails in comparison to them. So why do I want to go and sit through that lunch? Lord, that's too much work. I don't want to go through that. It's a chore. And so sometimes we create this margin, this buffer around us, and we don't want to be involved in anybody else's life. You must realize that God created for six days, and then he rested for one. Don't miss this. God created for six days and rested for one. It tells me that we too should work more than we rest. Sabbath is important. But Sabbath is useless unless it has been preceded by work. I'm, I'm convinced some people, not you, not you, not you at all. But some people, they don't get the full blessing of Sabbath because they don't experience the blessing of work. And until you exhaust yourself for six days, you will not appreciate the seventh day. And what it does for you. And, and that's whether, whether we're talking about your vocation or simply your calling to reach other people. And everybody in this room, it's not just for me, guys. The calling of ministry is not just for your pastor. Everybody in this room is called to reach others. And so, whether it's, it, it, it's your occupational work or it's your ministry calling that's on your life, we have got to exhaust ourselves for six days and then rest on one. In other words, don't create such a buffer around your life that you don't see the needs and the hurts of those people around you. Work has always been a part of God's plan though. Work is not a result of the curse. Some people teach that. It's not, go back and read Genesis. Work is not a a result of the curse. Sweat is a result of the curse. Briars, weeds, that's a result of the curse. Work has always been a part of God's divine plan. God always intended for humanity to work because he put Adam in the garden to work it and keep it long before he sinned against God. I have a, a great appreciation for beautiful landscaping. I do. I, I love beautiful landscaping. My, my yard, my, I, have, I have thick grass in my yard and I, I will pay too much money on my water bill to keep my yard watered. It's something, I, mean, I don't know, don't judge me. I'm just telling you I like for my yard to look nice and, and I like it to be manicured and kept and, and, and when I go somewhere, if I go to a hotel or if I go to, 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 to maybe a, um, a resort or somewhere, the first thing I'm looking for is how, how do they manicure their yards, you know, how, how do they keep their yards? Are, are they kept, you know, are they nice? The landscaping, does it look good? And I'm telling you, I have this great appreciation for thick, lush grass and, 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 and you know, flowers and plants that are intentionally placed in certain areas. And, and I just, I love that kind of stuff. It amazes me. And, and I have such this appreciation for it. But I also know that it doesn't get that way by itself. That there's somebody or sometimes even a team of people that invest their lives into making that look good. Now imagine with me the Garden of Eden. That during that six days when God was creating, somewhere in all that, he spoke the Garden of Eden into existence. And there it was with the beautiful grass. I mean, I, I picture this, this green carpet, you know, it was just I, I believe it looked like, you know, AstroTurf. That's what I, I figured. It was just beautiful. And, it, and, and you had the beautiful trees and they were manicured and, and, and the flowers growing. And, and I just picture it being this beautiful garden. But God knew that in order for it to stay that way, he had to put Adam, he had to put man in the garden to work it and to keep it is what the Bible says. Because that's part of God's plan. God has always intended for us to work. It's always been part of his divinely inspired routine for our lives. Work six days, rest one. Work six, rest one. And whether it's working at your occupation or working to connect with and minister to other people, work is as important as rest and it's as much a part of God's plan as Sabbath is. But some people are scared of that four-letter word, W-O-R-K. It terrifies them. Some people, it even offends them. My wife... She does not have a poker face at all if we're watching a movie and they use a four-letter word in the movie. She has no tolerance for it at all, at all. And I'm talking PG-13 movies, okay? We're we're pretty strict on what we watch. And and so (laughs) we're watching a movie and and they drop a four-letter word and it's like Mandy just got punched in the gut by somebody. She has this like stank look on her face and she makes this sound. She's like... (coughs) And I just, she does it. And, 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 you know, after you hear it four or five times in a movie, you know, it, it, I look at her and I'm like, can, can, you, can you not? You know, just because I've become focused on that. You know, I'm just like, you know, you know, that kind of thing. Some people respond that way to the four-letter word of work. It's like, Ugh, work? <laughs> really? It's part of God's plan for your life. Quit running from it. You don't work, you don't eat. You work but you don't just work you just don't work secularly everything points back to our Jesus everything comes back that direction you've got to work spiritually too and when you start running from that you're running from the calling that God has on your life you're wanting to be more comfortable than called well, I, I can tell some of you right now, you're like, I, I wish I would have skipped today. I wish I wouldn't have come here today. This, this, it was raining and I knew I should have stayed home. <laughs> today, I want to show you that God expects us to fill the majority of our time. Remember, six days working, one day rest. He wants us to fill the majority of our time with creativity, productivity, and connectivity. As a matter of fact, I, I'm convinced Christ is not a big fan of lazy He's just not. He's not a big fan of lazy. And there's this interesting uh, parable that we're going to look at today in Matthew chapter 25. So you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. There is a very similar variation of this story that exists in Luke chapter 19. Um, some, some scholars believe it's the same story and just, you know, two different interpretations of it. Um, whether it was two different instances or the same, you know, that, that two writers interpreted different, I, I don't know. But, but, but here's what I do know. If you're a lazy person... Jesus is about to spiritually pimp slap you in the next few moments as I'm speaking. It's going to happen. It's going to hit you right upside the head. So here we go. You ready? Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And I, I may stop a few times throughout this, but we'll, we'll get through it. Verse 14, Jesus is speaking. He says, for it, it." It is, is the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom of God. He says so in verse 1. So he's explaining to them what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And he says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Now, now that's a key, key phrase right there. Each according to his ability. Now, a a talent here, it's a monetary unit that's worth about 20 years' wages for a common laborer. So these men that are are being handed five talents, two talents and one talent, they're getting handed a a, a lot of money here uh, according to their budget. Maybe not to the master's budget, but to their budget. They're getting a, a lot of money handed to them. But, but it seems that Jesus, in his description and telling this parable, it seems that the master, the boss of this, that, that he trusts some of the workers more than he trusts some of the others. That There's like different levels of trust here. Verse 15 says, he gave to each according to his ability. And so when you read that, you almost want to look at it and say, well, that's not fair. Why why doesn't, you know, if God's no respecter of persons, then why wouldn't he just give each of them the same amount and and then they all had a fair chance. They all had the same chance at it. And that's our finite minds because because you have to understand that he gave to each according to their ability. When you understand ability, you get it. Let me put it this way. I have the ability... For public speaking, for preaching. Some days are better than others. The jury's still out on whether today is going to be one of those good days or not. But thank you, um, it, it helps. Um, but I have the ability to stand here and, and to communicate God's word. That's the ability that I have. There are other people here in our church that they are blessed uh, to lead us in different ways. You know, we have a wonderful group of musicians, wonderful group of singers, and, and we all just hate Cindy for her voice. You know, Cindy has a wonderful voice, and we're all like, we hate you. You know, you. you know, why? Why does God seem to favor some people more than he favors others? It's kind of like this Why am I stuck outside? in the rain, directing traffic while the pastor gets to stand on the platform and preach God's word? Why do I have to show up and put out chairs when they get to sing, when he gets to play the drums? That spirit of comparison is what keeps so many people ineffective in God's kingdom. This happened to me just recently, I told you last week that Andrew and I were in, in Colorado Springs and we were visiting a, a large church there, and on Friday night we got to go to a service there. It's a very different service, a very, uh, a very intimate service in a smaller room, and they still had like six, seven hundred people there, and so, you know, it seemed large to us, but when you know, there's 12, 13,000 people attending on Sundays, it's a you know, smaller setting. And I remember we were sitting there, we're about halfway back and, and this guy's up there speaking. I never heard of him before and he's one you know, of their uh, teaching pastors there on staff and the guy is, is laying down God's word, man. I mean, he, he is, he's preaching some straight truth and I remember leaning over to Andrew and I was like, hey, this guy's good. And then I noticed his Bible was on a table behind him. I don't know if he had an iPad there or not for notes. Maybe he had a sticky note or something in his Bible. But besides reading his scripture, he never went back. And I'm like, oh, Andrew, he's not using any notes. He must have photographic memory. He's got it all memorized. It's amazing. <laughs> And the guy was, he was a great communicator. I mean, just wonderful communicator. And I'm just sitting back there going, man, to be blessed with that kind of memory, wow. And then it was brought to my attention that his notes were on a screen in the back of the room above the congregation. <laughs> and suddenly I felt better about myself. I was ready to quit ministry. I was like, I don't deserve to preach with people like this. On the, It's that spirit of comparison Let let me show you the reality of this, what, what really happens. Each to his own ability. This is just my ability. This is just what God has gifted me with. It's not that he loves me anymore. This is just the ability he gave me. But I know this, you don't show up on a Sunday morning to sit and listen to me preach if the person that's given the ability to come and set out chairs hasn't already come before you and put the chairs out. to the person that is taking care of your kids and teaching them God's word and caring for them in the nursery. That is their ability. That's what God has blessed. You don't want me taking care of your kids. I don't have that ability. It's a disaster. It's not that God favors and loves someone more than he loves the other one. He gives according to their ability. And when you find that and you begin operating in that vein, he blesses it and amazing things happen. You're not going to show up to hear this wonderful praise team if you have to stand the entire service. Because somebody put a chair out for you to sit your butt on at some point during this service, you will show up. And it takes all of us, it takes the body of Christ, it takes every single one of us doing all of our jobs to make this happen, to point people to the, cro- to the cross, to point them to Jesus and say, this is what matters more than anything else. You're just as much a part of a salvation as I am. And to be honest, we really don't have much to do with it. He has everything to do with it. If you feel insignificant and slighted, just remember this. This isn't necessarily spiritual, but but listen, it's inspiring. Nobody admires the story of someone who started off rich and just got richer. But everybody loves the story of one who started off with little and ended up with more. Listen to what happens in the story. He gave to each one according to his ability. Then he, the boss, he left. He went away. Verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. And he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two more talents. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, lazy, slothful, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given, more will be given, and will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is an interesting story. I mean, even even the middle guy here, the one that only got the two talents, less than half of what the guy with the five talents got. But he gets it. He realizes what the master gave me is according to my ability. This is what I have to work with and I've got to be faithful over that. Here's what I realize according to this. When you're faithful over little, God makes you ruler over much. When you're faithful over the small things, God will bless you with more. But we're afraid of that because sometimes that's more responsibility. Not that any one job is is more important than the other. Trust me, it takes all of us but I remember when I was a youth leader and working a secular job. And I remember the faithfulness I had over that and how important that was. And, and realizing this is what God has blessed me with. I've got to do everything I can. I remember when I was the drummer. I wasn't David Beckner drummer, but I was the drummer. I remember when I was the church planner. Leading worship every service from the keyboard. Being faithful because that's the hand that God gave me. And when you do a lot with a little, you'll always get to do a lot with a lot. Can God trust you with it? Can God trust you with the one talent? Are you going to sit back and say, well, why has God loved them more than he loves me? The spirit of comparison is is killing the church. We've got to overcome that. But I love what what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 13, a variation of the story. But listen to what he says. He adds this, and he says that the boss said these words, engage in business until I come. Engage in do business until I come. Work, work until I come. Can I meddle for a moment? You know what meddling is, right? It's kind of sticking your nose where it doesn't belong, you know, kind of talking about things that nobody asked you to talk about. Can I, can I go there for a moment? I don't care if you say no, I'm going to anyway, but it bothers me. Lord, help me. Help me to say this the way you want me to say this. It bothers me when people step away from serving in God's church because they're, quote, too busy. Why is it? Why is it that when it's time to create margin, often what we do for God's church is the first thing that we eliminate? Is there not another area That we can tweak first. I knew this wouldn't make me popular today. If you're too busy to serve God. Then you're just simply too busy. That's not the first area that you cut. It's not even an area that you cut. Nowhere in God's word does it ever say take a Sabbath from ministry. Take a Sabbath from serving other people. It doesn't say that. Just because we give our Wednesday night children's teachers off for the the month of July, it doesn't mean that we stop serving. That's just a little perk that we like to throw in there. God has called us to serve the body. And listen to me. Please listen to me. It's great to do wonderful things in the community But nothing takes the place of us serving the body of Christ, serving each other. I'm going to show you where that is scriptural in just a moment. Romans 12 and 11 says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. And then you get to Galatians 6 and 10 and it says these words, listen to it. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and it's... Especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the household of faith. This is our living room right here. This is where my brothers and my sisters in Christ, we gather together right here so that we can do life together. This is the household of faith. And we should not neglect serving each other within these, these confines here, within, within this. When you have the ability, we must, we must serve each other. Serve those who are of the household of faith. But but let's, let's be very honest with each other. A person is never too busy. They just make time for what's truly important to them. You're never too busy. You just have different priorities. And if the kingdom of God and his church is not important to a person, then they will not make time to serve the kingdom of God. Just because the boss is away does not mean that we get to take off time. We serve. Jesus was very plain in this parable. The boss was coming back. Let me tell you something, church. He's coming back. This whole parable is about the kingdom of God. Even the part about... The servant looking at him saying, listen, I know you're a hard man. I, know you are, I knew you were a hard man. And, and, and I, I knew that you, you reap where you have not sown. You gather where you have not scattered seed. Have you ever thought about that? That's what we're called to do. We are the ones out there scattering seed for him. When he returns, he is coming to gather the harvest that we have been scattering seed, trying to bring people into this fold, trying to bring them into the kingdom of God. This whole parable is all about the return of Christ. And when the boss comes back, when he gets here, will you look like you're lazy or will you look like you're busy? Will you look like you've done something for his kingdom Will there be a return for his investment in you? Because if there is, he looks at you and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord. But if you don't, then he throws you into a place where there is weeping and there is gnashing of teeth is what the parable said. So the boss is coming back just like the boss in the parable Christ is returning, so we must look busy, be busy. God has a kingdom and He's looking for heirs, and and we're His bride, and we are called to give Him heirs. You ever thought about that? It's a kingdom, it is a royal kingdom, and He wants to pass on His blessings, His riches to his heirs and he's called us as his bride to produce those heirs for him and so this question comes to my mind and and this hits me man this hits me right between the eyes where's his sons and daughters are we bringing them in because every little job every part of the kingdom it helps bring in the sons and daughters as heirs to his throne. This has been a tough year. It's been a very tough year for our church. We've lost some important people. A little over four months ago, we lost a spiritual mom and Lee Austin. It's hard to replace somebody like that. Even more recent, we lost my wife's grandmother, Dee. Two people that love God. They love this church. They love serving. And as a pastor, I sit back and I think, God, who picks up those mantles? Who runs with that? This is not the time to be lazy and lackadaisical. This is not the time to have error of margin. There's moments for that. There's moments for margin. But for six days, God created, God worked. And then he took a rest. And he's calling us to do the same thing. Work more than you rest. Rest. Take advantage of it. I've given it to you. I created Sabbath for you. But work more than you rest. And it takes you developing this hunger inside of you that says, I want to serve the kingdom of God. Sometimes it is work. Every Monday, most of you know this, every Monday is my Sabbath. I give our entire staff off on Mondays because Sunday is a workday for us. Trust me, by the end of this day, I am going to be exhausted. It doesn't stop when this service ends. I've got a lot going on with this church today. And so Mondays are my day of Sabbath. But I figured out this, that emergencies They don't stop just because it's my day of Sabbath. Tragedies, they don't stop just because it's my day of Sabbath. And some of the greatest moments of ministry for me have happened on the days that I've declared a day off for me, my day of Sabbath. But yet somebody had something tragic happening in their life, and I got the phone call and I had to drop what I was doing to go and be a part of it. I'm not telling you that because I want you to to be impressed with me. I'm telling you there's moments when the margin has to be laid aside and you've got to let people invade that because they have real needs, real hurts. Sometimes the only way you're gonna see that is if you're serving the body of Christ. Being a part of their world, being a part of their life and allowing them to be a part of yours. But man, it feels like work sometimes, and it's all right. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.